Welcome to the latest podcast in the Workplace series from the People Mentor, Nicola Richardson. Welcome to the latest podcast from Nicola at the People Mentor. Today we're interviewing Salma Shah, whose business is Coaching Coaches. And I hope I've said your name right, Salma. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your business first, what it is and how long it's been going? Welcome. Yeah, hi Nicola, hi. Um, so yes, you said my name right, it's Salma. So I um, started my coaching business actually, I qualified as a coach in 2003. So I'm going to go back a bit here. And I um, started, I left employment, I worked for myself from 2006 onwards. My business for a long, long time had been a mix of um, business executive coaching and my own training business. Yeah. Last, last few years, I have made a pivot into really focusing on helping coaches who were where I was that's over a decade ago and helping them build their own coaching businesses and I t- typically tend to work with accredited coaches mm-hmm. um, who, who typically want to go back and sell their coaching services and programs and workshops back into other organizations as well as you know one-to-one clients mm. so that's really useful because it's quite difficult sometimes to know how to begin and then you'll have ups and downs yourself and once you started going so it's nice to have somebody that you can actually go to and helps you explore the, the way forward isn't it so i'm sure you must see some quite varied types of situations and you know issues really no, no, absolutely. I mean, I find that I'm, I'm tend to attract the kind of coaches who, who often the opening line is, "Can you help me do what you what you've been doing?" Yeah. So, so, um, and you know, I'm also finding that a lot of the kind of clients I'm attracting, working with, have got a lot of things in common as well. So, I must be, you know, drawing in, uh, something something common there. But what I tend to experience is that most of the people who come to me will say, "On a one-to-one, I'm really great." Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to translate that across when it comes to, you know, social media, which, you know, we'll talk about later, I'm sure, which is, you know, a lot going on there. But also, how do I get that across and what I'm doing? And also, I get a lot of coaches saying, you know, um, my approach feels very scattergun. There's too much information around me. I just don't know what to do. So what I'm very good at is helping them take what they have and you know, polish it, shine it and, and really help them. I guess I'm more of a business coach and mentor now because yes, I'm a coach myself, but I do take a step, um, the process of helping people, tell, you know, telling them what to do. Yeah. But, you know. And and that's it. And I, I do think it's so easy um, to get confused um, and want to do a bit of everything and not realise that actually you're um, diluting your message at times. So um, I'm, sh- I'm sure that's really, really helpful, Salma. So, yeah. And I find when people um, generally, I think if you look at any, you know, do a search for a coach, they're all sort of saying the same thing. I help people with mindset. I help people unlock their potential. Yeah. I'm a leadership coach. And, you know, they're, they're all saying the same thing. And that's where, you know, anyone who's new to starting their business will think, what's different about me yeah so, so, so the way I work with people I've got my what I call my branding your genius framework which is all about it goes back to my psychology degree I restart really understanding helping people connect with you know their psychological archetype mm-hmm. um then from there we look at their, their, their story how do we build layers around that story 
and then we get very business-like about it. And what happens is that when they get the point of what's different about me, I go back to their archetype and their story. Okay, so t- tell us a bit more about that then, because that sounds really interesting. Okay, so, I, so I'll give an example of a client I've been working with, which is probably a better way to do it, is, um, so she, you know, she is a coach for senior executives in organizations who are um, very distressed, okay? Um, so, you know, overwhelm and that, that's a business. And how does she differentiate herself? So when we got looking at her um, archetype, her archetype was, you know, she was the very typical um, nurturer. Mm-hmm. So, so, she, so, so that means that she is naturally very good at making others feel nurtured. Yeah. So, so we'll put that in the corner for now. Then when I started unraveling her story, you know, um, what she's been great at since her childhood has been, you know, she said, oh, I, I love, um, I'm, I'm very, I love board games. I love debating things. You know, I love talking about the Renaissance. So to me, this is someone who's very intellectual. Yeah, it is. And very serene yeah. and very bright and very technical. Yeah. Said, okay, well, you know, now we know that. Let's take that. You're a nurturer, but you're also very intellectual and very bright and very challenging. Let's build that into how we help you, you know, get your messaging out about yourself. Mm-hmm. When it comes to her defining yourself as a leadership coach, you know, we, we are putting that messaging all the way through her business model. Mm-hmm. The kind of leadership programs she's developing are very cerebral. Mm. Are very yeah. intellectual, right? So, 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 it, it, it's, a, it's a process they go through with me and I get and I start from the whole kind of creative side of you know let's lots of discussion to okay well if this is your program this is what a workshop should look like you know I'm, I'm the queen of workshops so this is what <laughs> yeah, I've done loads so this is how you should be designing it this is how you should be pitching it this is how you should be pitching to an organization this is how you, this is this is you know who you, who you should be meeting how to qualify out so I, I can take them through the whole process of who am I to what should I do to how do I actually sell and market it and, and, and when to qualify out. Um, that's really good. That is, that's the whole thing then, isn't it? So you make, it will make you all rounded as well. So that's, that's really useful. So what made you start your business? Gosh, so if I go back to 2006, that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> I, I think, I think um, you know, my degree was in psychology, but I worked in the IT sector for 17 odd years. Um, and I always knew that that sector was my, um, it was a means to an end. I, would, I knew it wasn't going to be in it forever. Yeah. But it gave me a lovely lifestyle, which I'm now very grat- grateful. Yeah. You know, it set me up for life. Um, but I knew that in my heart, it was, I needed to do something that was going to help people. You know, that's my thing is... Um, um, was a, a, some, in some way I, I knew I had to work with people mm-hmm. and it took me a while to figure out what it was going to be so but what I do today which is working to help coaches yeah. um, businesses that just came about from people constantly asking me can you help me do this yeah so I just thought you know something I've got some experience I'm always being asked to do it so why don't I just put my focus on there yeah, no, that makes sense, totally. Um, so, so you talked about your IT um, career, and I'm a little bit intrigued by that. What sort of roles did you have um, in that? That that that, bef- that then did it play into um, skill sets you could use for your business? Very good question. I think we always bring all our skills in. Now, I was I'm not very technical 
at all, as in I'm not technical one iota, but um, so I, in the tech sector, always had customer facing roles. Right. I was very reliant on my communication skills and presentation skills. So I've been a trainer, I've been a consultant, not a technical consultant, but a business consultant. Yeah. And the last, I say, last 10 years of being tech are pretty much on um, teams that sold large, complex, multi million pound software applications into organizations, which I'm sure you've all used and probably hated. Uh, mm. I apologize a lot for those sales. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, so, um, anyway, but what did I get from? So basically, I guess what I learned in my tech career was how to have conversations at senior board level. Yeah. How to understand the real challenges that a business has mm. and how to understand how to um, influence and negotiate, um, sell into those organizations. But my approach to selling is very consultative. Yeah. In other words, it's coaching plus, you know, it's, very, it's a very coaching style. And I guess for me, what works well today is that um, you know, when I started my own business, I, I, went, I sold my coaching and training into organizations. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, all, it, it all kind of, it's all come together for me mm. from that perspective. Mm. Very interesting. So did you ever manage or, you know, were, were you considered a leader or did you manage in those past roles? Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I in those roles, I was, um, you know, typically managing teams of people who were parts of big, big processes. Mm -hmm. So they'd be, they'd be, you know, they'd be very diverse teams from very technical people to people writing the bid. So they'd be, you know, I'd be looking after quite a big team. So um, that must have been quite um, hard sometimes to deal with, especially if you didn't feel that you were particularly technical. Um, cause, because there's this, there's this thing, isn't there? Um, I, I can remember uh, managing a team of technical people and, and they were of the opinion that if you couldn't do technical, then you were a decent manager. Um, and I, I like to think I changed that thought from them. Um, certainly because I, I still, you still do things like go and sees and sit with them to understand some of the stuff they're doing don't you but you won't know the ins and outs because they're the the subject matter expert and for me it's about um, respect empathy yeah. and communication yeah exactly that's really interesting <coughs> what would you say was your biggest challenge in managing are you okay okay so so you talk about managing so what do you think was your biggest challenge in managing at those times so I think my biggest challenge is that my, my management style is a very coaching style. Mm -hmm. That I, you know, I, I, I want people to come up with their own answers. Yeah. Not everybody no. wants to be managed like that. No. But I've learned that I needed to give a lot more clearer instructions at the very beginning. Yeah. Check up a lot more. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'll never be a micromanager because of my style, but I needed to do a bit more of that. Mm -hmm. Even someone very experienced, so I had to, I, I, for me, I had to learn that, you know, not everybody wants that style. As much as that's supposed to be the in style of management, it's my natural style anyway, but I had to be a bit more hands-on. Yeah, it is. It's funny because I'm quite a supportive type of manager. Um, and um, before I left, there was a, um, a manager who was very directional. 
Mm. Um, and sometimes it would irk me because he wasn't letting that team grow because he wasn't doing the coaching. But there has to be a happy medium. So I think a bit of him and a bit of me, that kind of made it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for me, I've always learned that, I've learned that even if I'm going to get someone to work with, for me now, um, I have to be a lot more um, hands-on at the very beginning anyway to make sure yeah. they're doing it the right way and then, yeah. then I can go into my own style with them. Yeah, and, and that's interesting because um, going back to Jackie Jaguar, um, we had a conversation because I'm doing an assignment on strategic leadership and management and I said I'd like to do a bit about situational leadership mm -hmm. and her, her point was, and it was quite right, that a lot of people don't actually understand the, the level that they're team members at mm. and therefore they will coach them or support them when actually what they need is a bit of direction like you said yeah. so that's a really good point for people to think about yeah, so no, I've, I've got this exercise called are they willing are they able yeah that sounds interesting yeah. you'll have to share that with me so yeah very very willing very able coaching yeah very willing not very able yeah directional yeah. Very able, not willing, question mark. Yeah. Um, not willing, not able, get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, I've had a few of them. Yeah. So, um, so uh, from previous managers or leaders in the past, um, did you learn anything really useful from them? Really, something that stands out to you that you could share with everybody? Yeah, one of my best managers I ever had was, um, he, saw, he saw potential in me before I saw potential in me. Mm -hmm. And he would give me just enough of a stretch roll. Yeah. That he knew, he knew I'd be out of my comfort zone, but he knew I could do it. Mm -hmm. But what he was very good at was, for everybody, he knew who he could give the stretch roll to and who needed to, who needed to feel safe all the time. Yeah, that, that's a key skill, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and he and he vetted people really well, mm. and I think at the time I was hungry, ambitious, wanted everything, and and he could see it, and he gave me just always kept nudging me. Mm. Sam, do you fancy that trip out to you know? And I've, I've travelled the world with IT actually. Do you fancy that trip out to Sweden for a week or two? And I'd be like, uh, you go no, I, I think you love it, and I and I and I'd come back and I've learned something. So. And that's the main thing, isn't it? Learning as you go along. Yeah. Um, it's those lessons as well, isn't it? So looking at it, was there any manager that you learned from because of the way they did things that wasn't right? Gosh, um, I could never do these things anyway, but there's two scenarios that come into mind. One was the, the jacket on the back of the seat, but the invisible manager. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I would never do that, but I had, had one of those. Um, the other one, one, again, I would never do this, but he had a tendency to call meetings at six o'clock in the evening, <gasps> impromptu, just mm. to see who would stay. And he was constantly playing mind games. Again, I could never do that. No. It, was a very it was a very toxic place to work. Mm. That's quite fear, isn't it? Yeah, fear. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was his style, and I, 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 I didn't stay there very long, actually. I no, it sounds like the best decision you made there. So, yeah. Yeah. okay, um, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned since being in business? Um, the biggest lesson I've learned is that it will have ups and downs, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, I think. And I think it's quite surprising as well that I'm finding 
that there are a lot of businesses don't actually um, look at their trends so don't actually monitor with their data that they've got and and therefore don't see oh well this is what happened last year at the same time so that you know it's a down period and it's kind of what you expect and you know you're not then going to go up the next month so I'm quite surprised um, I don't think probably as businesses most people use enough of their data that they've got there yeah, but I also think there's a lot of noise out there about how it's all wonderful and overnight successes and every year I get better and better and I think I think I think you've got to take some of those stories with a pinch of salt definitely definitely yeah yeah, yeah. And, I, yeah. And, I, and I think that there's you need you need a lot of resilience and you've got and also mm. what I've learned is um you know I my business grows faster when I've when I've got a coach or a mentor myself yeah but it depends on what kind of mentor and what kind of coach you need for that timing period yeah yeah, yeah. I can't expect my clients to invest in me if I won't invest in myself. No, you're so right. I think that's right. And I think that's been one of my lessons this year for me. Um, and I think I can't see an occasion where I wouldn't want somebody there. Um, and, and I think you're right. Sometimes it needs to be different, a different type of style or a different type of coach. So, yeah. So that's a really good point, actually. So um, what's the biggest challenge you face since being in business i guess the biggest challenge happened in 2008 i'd been working for almost two years um and my business actually just started to do really well mm -hmm. and then, then then the banking crash happened oh and, and i had and i had some massive contracts that kind of every day something would get cancelled oh no and, I, and, I'd, and I'd, I'd go into corporates and it was growing and growing and you know, one project will lead to another. And then suddenly, a lot of them were in that, in that time um, in the financial services sector, but the, but the tech side of it. And um, it was like, this is, it, it felt very, very scary, actually, when that started happening. And uh, psychologically, I'd gone too far into working for myself to go back. Yeah. I'm so, and I never would have gone back. Um, no. But it got, it, the lesson I learned was don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's a really good lesson to learn as well, isn't it? And that's a great yeah. tip for people listening as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't just put yourself into one kind of thing. Only keep and, and keep the marketing going. Yeah, yeah. That's that's another one, isn't it? Because if a lot of people get get the work in and then think they've got to stop marketing, which isn't the case at all, is it? Yeah, a lot of my, my lot of coaches I work with today. One of the challenges that they have is they are often um, have they've, they've often had corporate jobs. They've they're accredited, they are really personable, they've got a really good network. After a couple of years, your network starts to dry up. Yeah. Or can, or can get into, you know, like, whole sectors can go quiet. Yeah. And I was, very, I was quite a sector specific at the time, and, and I think that they then say to me, how do I start building my campaign? What do I do? How do I get more customers? Yeah. And that's why yeah. I think you have to have a process in place yeah no makes sense yeah and I'm finding that I think you know that I, yeah. I don't pigeon your hole into one you, you need to know who your ideal customer is but don't pigeon hole so that you won't do anything for anybody else but I've never been particularly like that yeah. and, I, and I've gone into businesses I would never have thought that I would go into so and the same the same basics and the same criteria still applies to all of them doesn't it so 
and, and, and I think if you are out there, um, you know, so, so for example, you're, you're doing a lot of stuff on kindness and compassion at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, but in a way, you are marketing yourself in a certain in a certain yeah. direction. Yeah. So, so you may be, um, you know, uh, indifferent to which sectors, but you're going to start attracting people with the values that you want to promote. Mm. So, in a way, you are niching. So I'm, I'm yes. a big fan of niching, actually. Um, yes. But but it doesn't have to be niche by sector or a person. It can, it can be niche by values. Mm. I like that. Yeah, because because um, I had a conversation with somebody and they they said i said i'm really about kindness and compassion and they said well that's not coming across at the moment isn't it okay i need to do something about that because that is what i really believe in i don't think you need to be harsh at work i don't think you need to be hard i think you get more out of people by being kind um they need to know where they stand no doubt in my mind but you need to consider their feelings and and what's going on in their lives as well yeah, and I think I think with you um, having sort of known you on and off for about a year um, yeah. and seeing what you're posting. When I went onto your website, I loved. I think your your your, your humour came out in that. And I'm saying yeah. humour. I think I think it's really funny. And and I think more of that is being to come into the way you are. Yeah. Across on social media, and I think that's really important. And that and that in a way will attract the right people to you. Mm. Interesting. Uh, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> um. I see that you're a co-active coach. So what does that mean and what does it give the people you coach? So I was really intrigued what it actually meant. Yeah, so I, I qualified with CTI Co-active Coaching in 2003. Um, and they have a very holistic way of, of um, teaching you about coaching. And they have, they have their own um, framework. And it's a, very, you know, it's a very intuitive, experiential process of how you work with a client. Mm -hmm. So... To me, being a co-active coach is, is, is the foundation of what I do. It's, it's looking at somebody from a whole perspective. Right. Um, and, and, and then it's really, a lot of it is based on, you know, in, intuition in how you guide somebody and how you coach someone. And I yeah. think intuition and gut feel and, you know, insight and wisdom are all fundamental to the way I work with my clients. Mm. Yeah. So it's working at quite a deeper level. Yeah. But then giving them the the tools and the frameworks to, to keep them moving. And, and, and I said, CTI is one of the things I have in my, you know, in, in what I do, but I've got lots yeah. of things that I bring in. So I've always been a little bit, um, uh, you know, careful about how I want to get pigeonholed, but I did feel that in the world where there are millions of coaches, I felt I need to start explaining what my foundation is and it's CTI. But yeah. around that is my, you know, I've got lots of personality, uh, psychometric tests, NLP, I've got lots of these things that I kind of have built and, you know, built mm -hmm. my own framework based on that. Mm, really interesting. I probably could talk to you for hours. So there <laughs> you go. <laughs> um, how would you define success and what do you think makes someone successful? And I love this question because I get a slightly different answer from everybody, but it does come back to the same thing when you actually analyze it. So just intrigued what you would say. You know, I find it's a really difficult question to answer. So thank you very much for that. Um, <laughs> so I think for me, success is that is abundance. Mm. Okay, to me, it's it's a feeling of abundance. Whether it's you know wealth, um, material wealth, spiritual wealth, 
um, uh, you know, love. It's, 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 that, it's, it's when you feel you have everything you want. Yeah. By your, de- by your definition of what that everything is. Yeah. And that's a really good way of pushing it, isn't it? Because we're each different. We're all individuals. So what's, what, what somebody else wants might not be what you want. So that, yeah. Yeah. But it's when you have enough of what you want. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that is. Yeah. That's lovely. I like that one. Uh, okay. So what would be your number one piece of advice for people who want to start their own business? Make sure you've got six, to, six months or 12 months of savings so you don't yeah. get scared. Because what's going to happen is that mm-hmm. even if you've got, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's going to take a while. You don't want to get fearful. Yeah. Because that's your... Um, natural part of you that's going to get really scared of oh my goodness i'm going to be living underneath waterloo bridge even though that's not going to happen mm. the emotional fear is is not rational at all so to yeah. keep that fear at bay have yeah. enough savings before you launch mm. that's a really good suggestion actually yeah, yeah. I, i'm personally not going to ever say to somebody um yeah remortgage your house uh you know, I know there are coaches that do, but that is, it's what I would, I would never do it to myself. I never, because I think security, to feel secure is important for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that'd be my main thing. Make sure that you're secure, but then have, make sure you've got a support system around you as you take the journey to working for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely need a support yeah. mechanism around you, don't you? Yeah. Um, and people often say family aren't the right ones. It depends. Um, my, my husband is extremely, extremely supportive. Um, um, and I hope my daughters don't listen to this, but, or maybe it'll do them good, actually. But sometimes they can say things that sound quite negative, And I'm just like, hmm, that's not what I would say to somebody. So, um, but that's probably youth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you're, you're lucky with your husband because I've met many partners who are not who don't understand what we're going through. If your husband, you know, your husband obviously is lovely and supportive, but I think, I think sometimes people that are closest to you cannot be the best people to have around you. No. Or, or you've got to figure out who mm. is your, you know, like, like, you know, your best friend or your partner, who are the ones that will support you. And people don't realise it, but their comments can totally derail you. Because when you go self-employed, every fear that you have is on alert. You're, you're on such a massive learning yeah. curve. You're out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Not all of us have been raised in families where we have entrepreneurial parents we learnt from, or That's right. schools, or, or even have that you know social uh, circle of people who, who are very well, business people. So we've got a lot to learn. The mm. last thing you want to when your partner says, "Well, are you sure you should be doing this?" or you know, you, you just kind of keep away from it until you start feeling more secure. Yeah. No, you're so, right. So, uh, I'm, I'm also keeping family away on these areas because they just don't get what you're going through. Mm. No, um, I find some of the uh, Facebook groups or like the LinkedIn groups are quite useful, but then sometimes you can get too many voices in your ear and, and that can confuse you. But, so you have yeah. to be very careful and you have to pick who you're going to listen to, don't you really? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think for me, that's been my other learning curve is that, um, do you know what? intuition gut feel mm. go with your gut feel listen you know um and stay in your lane mm. right mm. you know um, if, if it's on your business focus on one thing try it test it tweak it if it fails shift it slightly mm-hmm. okay 
stay in your lane. And I think when there's so much going on and some of, a lot of it, I'm afraid, is complete, you know, um, fiction. Mm. Yeah. Know, it's, it's so confusing. And, and, and I think stay in your lane and, and, you know, obviously get someone to help you with it, but it's so easy to get distracted. And yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I'm personally a fan of a cookie cutter way of doing it. I really believe that, yes, there's best practice. However, you've got to go with what feels right for you. And often the people that are very successful are the ones who've kind of gone against the grain anyway and done their own thing. I think yeah. for me, there's nothing worse than every single person saying the same thing. And it's like, it's get, you know, everyone's talking about, I can earn you 10K in a month. And it's not, I just, I just kind of shut off from it because the next day, the same person is going to be, you know, selling you LinkedIn training. And it's like, it's, it's just, it's, it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's, it's, it is. Well, I'm very um, unbelieving when I see you get all those Facebook cards, don't you, where they say we can make you 10,000, 10, 10 million, 10, whatever. I don't believe you. Sorry. So, yeah. um, I, I, I also think what's happened is that um, a lot of people who are very good at um, social media marketing, who may not have a lot of substance, have done very, very well. Yes. Because they yeah. understand how to do how to market. Yeah, and I'm and I find a lot of people who are have got lots of experience, wisdom, insight, but don't understand marketing. Mm. Yes, and, and I think I think what you know, and hopefully those people are being to catch up. Yeah, I think so. And I have to admit, I didn't really get marketing, and um, Janine has uh, Janine Coombs has really opened my eyes, and it's all been you know, from her free webinars, etc. So I'm really impressed the fact the amount of advice she actually gives away. Yeah. Um, so because you can go on some webinars and and as as discussions have been before, they are nearly all selling and then you get fed up and you switch off, don't you? So Janine is fantastic. I mean yeah. I, I too I, I, I listened to a webinar and I, I think I bought I bought something at the back end of it and you know and, and she, she she is really really good and I, and I love what she's saying but yeah. if you look at her background the background is working for i think orange and some telcos and you can tell from her background and, and other people with that background tend to know their stuff really well yeah um, so, so it's not someone who has overnight learned how to make a quick buck through social media marketing it's someone who knows their stuff and it shows yeah exactly yeah definitely um and i certainly know um from things i've seen with you and um all the all the feedback i've got from other coaches that you're valued very highly uh, and quite rightly so so that's brilliant to hear so i'm so glad i've got you on my podcast so there you go great thank you um who or what is your inspiration oh that's a really good question as well um with i i love the work of brenny brown Hmm. You see, I don't really watch or read a lot of, of hers, his, hers, is it him or her, her, hers. Yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna say hers, and then I thought, am I losing the plot? Um, sometimes I do wonder, but uh, don't get scared off by that. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I really need to make some time and, and start listening. I think. I, I, I think you would enjoy it because she talks a lot about empathy, vulnerability, shame. And she does a lot of work into large corporates. Right. She's taking that message into large corporates. Mm. So, you know, I, I, even if you just watch a few, some of her YouTube TEDx 
talk something mm. she's got some really good thing good things to say mm. and yeah. she goes into those things from a some from a scientific perspective as well some yeah. of the things might be more interested in the science behind why we have empathy and shame yeah I, that, that that would be interesting wouldn't it because um yeah. and certainly yeah no i'll no, need to listen no, one of the reasons i love her work is that when i'm working with my clients often at the root of their of their business challenge is always my mindset but it's more than mindset there's all, we all have stuff right mm -hmm. we all have some stuff and the stuff always pops up when we're feeling most vulnerable mm. but, so a fear of rejection fear of visibility it always comes up mm. and, and it's like you know and it's unraveling that fear as they go through their business growing their business and unraveling it and working with them on it. and i'm working with really bright intelligent experienced coaches even they're having it Mm. I can and believe it. Yeah, yeah, we all have it, right? So, so I think for me, Brené Brown goes into those areas really well. Mm. Right. Well, I'll be listening to her then. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you started your business again from scratch, would you do anything differently? Yeah, I'd have gone onto the social media market <laughs> about a lot earlier. Yeah. I think I think I was. Um, I had a, I had my daughter. She's eight now, and I, I, when she was young, I focused just on her and not doing much business development. I was just keeping the wheels turning. Yeah. And I, and, and I purposely did that because she's my priority. Yeah. But now she's kind of in year three. Um, she's okay at school and I'm, I'm back into growing it again a lot faster. So, um, but I wish I had mm. um, educated myself on social media. And, it, and I know it's very confusing, but if you find the right people to work with. Um, yeah. It's, use, it's useful to know a bit and I wish I'd also known a bit more about how to play around with my website in the back end a bit earlier as well yeah I, I'm very lucky with my website because uh my my uh photographer daughter um used to be a web designer graphic designer um and so she set my um website up for me as a Christmas present one year so so very lucky and if I get stuck I now ring her <laughs> Definitely, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I wish I'd, um, yeah, especially the social media marketing stuff, I wish I'd done it a bit earlier. Mm. It's never too late. No, exactly. And really, when you look at it, it's often a little bit of fate because you need to stack what you do and you need to learn it properly before you move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and quite a lot of us, are, and I'm just as bad at times, I just start and then I go back to it. And actually, it would be better if I just kept sticking at it so yeah yeah um but i i work around what i am that like we all do don't we so, <laughs> so yeah um what's the biggest tip you would share with other business owners for them to take away from this podcast and we're on the last question now yeah i'd say focus on one thing yeah, yeah. i think you're right at a, at a time yeah social media channel one yeah. one business idea that you're going to test and try one messaging you know, uh, uh, marketing messages and focus on it, test it, try it. Don't do five, don't do LinkedIn, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, mm -hmm. all together. Don't try and sell training and coaching and that program and this program. You, you, you will confuse your audience, you'll, you'll frustrate yourself and you'll end up with nothing. Instead, yeah. you know, do some work to figure out what that is. If it doesn't work, try something else, but kind of stay focused on it. 
yeah no you're totally right and i totally agree and that's been one of my um tough lessons this year, last year rather so uh yeah god i can't believe we're february already so there you go so it'll fly won't it so that's been lovely having you salma thank you very much thank you for your time um and this is the people mentor signing off thank you for listening Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you need any help or advice, please contact Nicola on Nicola Richardson at thepeoplementor.co.uk. The People Mentor, driving your business forward.